you're going to love my next guest. He is author John R. Robinson, and he's author of Run Towards the Roar, Transform Crisis and Change into the Opportunity to Thrive. And John says this, did you ever wonder if there was a different way to view really thriving and living? He did. And he kept seeing people reacting to issues after the fact. When a roar happens in life, there are normal fight, flight, freeze, and appease reactions. But what would happen if we ran towards the roar instead of mercilessly reacting? Run Towards the Roar reframes thriving and resilience to find and focus on what you love so that you will be faithful and loyal regardless of the roars that cross your path. You do not want to miss this episode. John R. Robinson, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you are doing fine, and the new year is off to a great start for you. Special thanks to you, the first responder, the criminal justice professional, whatever you were doing, wherever you were at. Thank you for doing it, and remember this. You were honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Keep up the fantastic work. It's a new year, and if you are struggling with the same challenges you have been in 2022, now is your time. This is your year. Reach out to FHE Health and their Shatterproof program for first responders right now. Let us get you the help you need and deserve. 844-650-1399 or you can contact me directly. 303-960-9819. All calls are confidential. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm very excited to have this next gentleman on the show, John Robertson. He's a workforce wellness expert, culture alignment specialist. He also has an amazing book out there, Run Towards the Roar, Transform Crisis and Change into the Opportunity to Thrive. Now, John is all over the place. He's, he works with indigenous people. He works with first responders all over the world. And I'm blessed to have him today. John, welcome, sir. Well, it's my blessing to be here and support the work you're doing. And, you know, some of your earlier podcasts you sharing about some of the understanding that we need to, even the feedback that somebody said, it's really nice to listen to somebody who gets it. So yeah. I'm honored to be here. Well, and I, and I'm, I'm constantly learning, John, because I mean, you know, it's, it's um, constantly evolving in which I think we need to be in, in life. Well, and there, there is learning. a time. You can stop learning. It's called VSA. 
<laughs> so how did you how did you get into the work that you're doing right now? I mean, helping so many people, educating people, talking about the importance of wellness and other things that you do. I mean, how what was the catalyst? I mean, what what was the spark that got you started on your journey? Well, a hundred years ago, my kids think I went to school with granite and chisel. I'm not yeah, that exactly. old, but Barney, you know, Barney, and, yeah, and, yeah. and bedrock, and yeah, you got it exactly. <laughs> but what happened was, I went to university to be a doctor, MD. I ended up becoming a clergy, and then one one of the things I kept noticing in both professions is people were so busy treating symptoms rather than okay, what's really going on here? Absolutely. And let's be honest. 90% of us are not upset about things that we shouldn't be upset about, but we're not allowed to tell the emotional truth. We're not allowed to speak honestly without fear of, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, don't feel that way. Well, you know, you'll or be just over Just get it. better. Just get better. Just get better. And I don't know if you've ever had a physical Charlie horse, but it's that old coaching model of skate it off, walk it off. You're fine. It doesn't hurt. Friggin' right. It hurts. Yes, Exactly. And and because I've never been a great at diagnosing to fix people, I've been more of that encouragement coaching ethos to say, yeah, you're right, it hurts. So when somebody goes through a divorce, emotional Charlie horse, relational Charlie horse, and depending on their religion, it can also be a moral Charlie horse. Mm -hmm. And think about first responders and the moral Charlie horses that some of them have to deal with now. We're saying, okay, skate it off, walk it off, you're fine. That moral, relational, emotional, psychological Charlie horse shouldn't bother you. What are you smoking? Obviously, for more than medicinal purposes. <laughs> and and so I got into this work because I thought, okay, I believe that people are naturally wired to thrive. But you can't drift into thriving. It requires adulthood and i've said it four times today adulthood sucks i don't want to grow does. up I, it, it sucks does. big time gotta be yeah. responsible <laughs> it's like e all of the above but i don't want to that that four letter word discipline what do you mean i gotta work at well something? the reality is john is we're not prepared i mean i wasn't i mean who's prepared to become an adult it's like well, one day you hit that number and you're like okay i'm an adult now now what for most of us for most I should, of us. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say so, all of us. You know, I'm, my wife might beg to differ with my moments of adulthood, but <laughs> we are moving in the right direction. But And so one of the things that I have kind of came, grew out of it was, okay, if I'm playing a sport I love and I get a Charlie horse, even a serious one, I will find a way to get back in the game. If I'm playing something I don't enjoy, any injury takes me out. So what would happen if we applied that principle and values to all areas of our life? What are my values in my work? What are my values in my community, in my relationships, in my parenting, whatever, E, all of the above, as I said. And what happens then is, am I doing something that I believe I am wired, gifted, and passionate to do? Because mm -hmm. we, we all have those gifts, like you said. Well, and, and a lot of us have never been encouraged to determine them, to discern them, to say, you know what? 
Yeah, the best example I can give you, I'm doing a squirrel thing on you right now, but best thing I can give you <laughs> is I remember this woman coming to me and she said, John, I think I know what your problem is. And I, you know, I okay. said, yeah, okay, I have so many problems. Which one do you think is mine? And she said, you're the little boy in the emperor's new clothes. And I said, oh, thank you. That's exactly no, 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 John. That's people don't want to hear the truth like that. And exactly. I said, "Yeah, that explains the lightning strikes in my life, but that's exactly who I want to be." And it's not a criticism because anybody can be an expert in the stands, the stadium, and say what <clears throat> with a forty nine er new quarterback right now, Purdy, what he should have done. Yeah, but at the end of the day, who cares what the expert in the stands thinks? What matters is a 12 on the field. Exactly. What he thinks. And and so, therefore, that's exactly who I want to be, to say, hey, I've noticed this is going on. Can I help? Because you don't want to get a Charlie horse by leaving that area of your life unprotected. Do you think, John, and I agree with you, but do you do you think some of the, the problem in today's world is, is that and I've thought about this a lot is we're, we're so conditioned now, most of society that we get, you know, instant gratification. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I need it like, right. I need it yesterday. Do you think part of the problem is we as a society, um, you know, we're used to that and we're not used, we, we don't want to put in the work to, to transform ourselves, to make ourselves better, to, you know, constantly improve. And maybe that's just, you know, maybe I'm just being, you know, over the top with that, but I think you see it everywhere is we want that instant gratification right now. Well, I and, heard and a, a lot of people don't want to work on themselves. And it took me a while to realize this and still, uh, until I started working on myself and then I saw some change, okay. but you're putting, but you're putting the finger and I don't know if it's appropriate, but I'm going to do it anyways, being a little boy in the Empress of clothes is what was the catalyst for you to start working on yourself? The catalyst why? for why me, did you do that? The catalyst for me was hitting points in my life where I was very low. You know, I was very low. I was depressed. I was isolating. I was doing all that stuff, drinking too much, gone through a divorce, you know, all this other personal stuff where it was like, okay, sink or swim, you know, literally. I mean, what am so I going to do? So why did you choose to swim? Because to me, I didn't want to go the other route and maybe hurting myself. I wanted to swim because I, I realized you know, that there were, there was more to live for than just ruminating in my thoughts. Okay. And part of a big part of that had to do with treatment, you know, and, so, and seeking treatment and bettering myself. And what you're putting your finger on is, and why going forwards is the values based question. Why going forwards is a motivational. So why did you choose to swim? Because I discovered there was more to life. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose to do that? Because therapy helped me get my head back in the game why going backwards is a punitive question. Why did sure. you do that? 99% of us have no clue why we do half the stuff we do. That's a good point. When, yeah. when we decide, and by the way, in a pop culture, it's always the hindsight investigation that can frequently cause the harm. Well, why did this get done? Well, because that's what block training, use of force training and everything else taught me to do so i didn't think i responded according to my training well you shouldn't have done that well maybe we need to have a conversation about what the training is <laughs> yeah, exactly but 
and then they get ticked off at the person who says it. But why going forward is a motivational question. And those are our values. Because when I decide what is of value to me, then we come face to face with that short-term gratification. And the irony is the shorter the gratification time period, the less the value. Let me illustrate. Have you ever think back to being a kid of something you had to bust your butt to work at to buy? Okay. Yeah. Was there much more precious to you, even if nobody else thought it was important, but it was super valuable to you? Yeah. Yeah. I have several instances where I thought that way. And, and what's happening is we're not helping people to think about what's of long-term value and the pride that comes from working for it. And as a result, we're always treating symptoms and whether you call it resilience, mental health, well-being, call it potato picking for all I care. But because we're so focused on immediate gratification, we're not having the conversations around, why do I not feel satisfied? Yeah. Why do I, I not have self-esteem, pride, whatever? Yeah. And I, and you know, I, I, that really resonates with me and maybe for the listeners too, because, you know, I think of stuff that I, I want to, maybe I want to go buy something that I mm -hmm. really, really want. And then when I go and get it and buy it or purchase it, then it's like, okay, now I, I love it. I love it. I have it, but then it's kind of worn off. You know what I mean? Yep. Is, is that the same thing? It's the same thing because the why behind buying it has to be thought through. So for example, same principle. We bought a boat, whatever. It's just a little outboard. A yacht. It's a ski, probably, ski, a yacht. ski Yeah, a ski boat. <laughs> and it's got a 115 motor on it. And you notice how I didn't bite on the yacht comment. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not, I didn't ignore. <laughs> Big time. I heard it. it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so we bought it. It was used. And, We've it's 20 some odd years old now. However, because I bought it, my son has greeted us with, you know, dad, the way you keep that boat, I can actually sell it for more than you paid for it. And it's like, yeah, but then what am I going to drive? <laughs> <laughs> and so therefore, the pride of ownership is and I don't detail boats. I hire somebody to do it. I stink at it. Go back to that gifting that we all have. Sure. And and what happens is when we look at the things that are of value, we have to be able to answer, why will this matter in the life I want to have? So, for example, kind of car. Most new parents go car shopping, and the first thing that they look for is safety. Mm-hmm something that has some impact resistance. Okay, same principle in all areas of our lives. Why am I doing this job? Why do I want to live in this subdivision? But where we really get outside of our first world problem ethos, our thinking style is, where do I serve? Where do I add value? Because nobody else can do what I do. Mm -hmm. and, and I think for a lot of people, it's it's hard to discover that, right? I mean, discover that purpose. 
and and goes right back to what do you call it therapy coaching whatever it requires that willingness to risk screwing it all up like you know that kind of well that didn't go according to plan <laughs> but as adults we fear being wrong more than we fear anything else and I would debate, some people say that public speaking is the biggest fear of adults. I don't know if, because we're living in a, I wish I could remember the term, but somebody used the term that zero tolerance might be, but it's, we have zero allowance when somebody does something normal human. <laughs> in, in everyday language, when I screw up and drop the ball, people do the dog pile. It's all the experts after the fact. Well, John, you should have. Well, John, you shouldn't have. Well, John, and all the experts after the fact. And, and there's always there's always going to be those people. Absolutely. But if we let those people into our sphere of influence, that is our problem. I got to a point, and, and I agree with you, John. I mean, I got to a point because I do a lot of speaking like you do. And I, I came to the realization, look, you're never going to make everybody happy. People are going no. to disagree with you. As long as you know in your heart you're doing it for the greater good or serving mankind, whatever, then screw everybody else. I hate to say mm -hmm. that. You know, there's always going to be the haters out there, you know, and, but I yeah. agree with you. So many people have that hung up. You know, God, what do I say? Am I going to offend somebody? Uh, am I going to say or, something wrong? Or they're going to attack me on social media if I post something. And that's yeah, and that's the bigger concern of everybody's an expert and everybody's life is perfect on Facebook. <laughs> and and it's like, and I, could, I come back to football. And so there's a couple principles in, in application. First of all, what's the end zone? Because to model dark humor, there's a bumper sticker that for years said the one with the most toys wins. If you want to see a really blank look on somebody's face, if you ever see that bumper sticker, ask them. I see your bumper sticker, the one with most toys wins. Wins what? <laughs> because hearses don't have <laughs> luggage racks. Exactly. No U-Haul is following you to the grave. And where there's a will, there's relatives. So wins what? And so therefore, as individuals, we need to clarify what our definition is of success non-physical and and so therefore for those of us who are married again others whatever is what does it mean to be a great partner what does it mean to be a great spouse what's our definition of a great marriage what's our definition of a great parent build that and then once we know what the end zone is then we can start to build the one in ten plan to move the ball towards that yeah. the second part of that is Choose wisely who you let in your huddle. Absolutely. Because if you get a stone in the shoe in the huddle, you will never be able to. So ever. Yeah. And I, and, and and the more I get older, you know, I'm getting a little older, uh, the more I realize that the same people I had, you know, as, as you go through the phases in life, you might not have the same, you're going to have your family regardless, but you might not have the same people as you move forward in your life. And that's okay. Right. Because well, as you reach those plateaus, you might not have the same people because you're constantly evolving and you're getting better. It's essential. 
And, yeah. and that's why when I, that's part of the reason I love doing crisis work around training people around leading through it or dealing with it positively. Because the first principle I teach from is the event is never the real crisis. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> and most people react to the events. And to your point, bang on perfect illustration. When we go through an event that somebody thinks is not a crisis for us. I love what C.S. Lewis said years ago. A real friend is somebody who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. I love that. Yeah. And, and what happens is when we're growing forward, when we are resolving loss, dealing with crisis and so forth, we will have to change who is in the huddle strictly because some people are still stuck back where we were. And like Dorothy, we can't go back to Oz. We're not in Oz anymore. And by the way, this is part of the tug of war tension that's going on right now post COVID. Yeah. BC, busy was a badge of honor. But before COVID, busy was a badge of honor. Post, we're not out of it yet, but post, a lot of people are revisiting, okay, what's of value to me? What does it mean? What are my priorities? Where do I want to spend the rest of my time? And, and this is where, think about the people in your journey who have allowed you to help you and encouraged you to be where you are right now. Absolutely. And it's and, relatively small group of people. Tends to be you know, a small group or a tribe or whatever you want to call it, you know, and I'm happy with that. I don't need, you know, well, dark humor, head, heads up, dark humor alert. Mike McDonald was the funeral <laughs> home director. And Mike said to me, don't ever forget, John, all a guy needs is six close personal friends. Mm -hmm. And I did the, um, Mike, uh, uh, sorry, what do you mean? Well, John, if you're going cremation, you only need one. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I've never forgotten it. I know yeah. it's probably not the best humor, but who are my six? Yeah. I don't need 200 people. I need six. Yeah. And the people that are in your life, I think Jim Rohn said it, you know, you know, you're the average of what the five or six people, you know, are around you. So, I mean, who, who, and I talk about this a lot as you do, who, who are you? It's not the only thing that's important, but I think who you're spending time with, it's like, you got kids. John, I have yep. kids, they're older, but when we used to say, don't hang out with those, that group of kids over there. Why? Because you're going to be influenced by them. Yep. Right. Don't you don't hang out with them, but we yep. do. I think we, we spend a lot of time. I know I did getting back to law enforcement. I know we were talking before we started, you know, law enforcement is, you know, and it says, this is not a dig on law enforcement, but it's an inherently toxic environment. That's just the nature of the environment. So I tell cops that are still working all the time, look, get friends outside of law enforcement. Yep. Because you're, well, and, you the, know. and the other part that happens to cops, and Peter Volkman out of New York, NYPD, made the comment. He said, cops are like the neck on a funnel or, or an hourglass. They're the only ones who can go between both worlds. I like if that. If they're in the up and outers, well, there's probably a domestic or something. If they go through the neck of the funnel and go into the down and outers, it's probably, uh, you know, street issues. But if an, 
but if a normal person, an up and outer, and not, not those aren't his words, but but if a person, an up and outer, goes down, crosses the tracks, is the old expression, and goes into the down and out culture, they're usually looking for something. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be a prostitute, could be drugs, could be any number of those things. If a, a person from the lower part goes into the upper culture, then they're looking for something too. And what happens with cops is they're moving back and forth between those two worlds and they can get caught of their heads on a, a pivot, wondering and lose themselves in the middle of it because yeah. they don't really belong in either world. That's a great analogy. That's... Isn't that a great? I, I love that. You know, let, and... let's oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, sir. No, go for it. What? No, I, Again, you you're 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 a wellness expert. You do this all the time, John. I mean, you see what's going on in law enforcement. And and I should have prefaced, you know, the listeners by you know, John's in Canada, he's in Ottawa, um, and I'm in the US, but I mean, law enforcement's law enforcement, the better yes, it where is. you're at. Yeah. You see all the the uh you know, the issues that law enforcement officers are dealing with, their their mental health, their addict, you know, addiction mm -hmm. problems and you know, as far as internally in an organization. What do you think? Because we're seeing, I don't know if it's like this in Canada, we're seeing attrition rates through the roof. I mean, people have to leave and, in, in, in and don't forget the other side of that, right? Is the recruitment rates. The recruitment, yeah, is another yeah. problem. How yeah. can an organization, this is probably a broad question, but uh, how can an organization work on making their department or, or organization a thriving place, one where people want to work? where they're, they're, they're focusing more on the employee health and wellness. And I know that's a broad question, but uh, we, how can, and it starts with leadership probably. Absolutely. And so to go back to that end zone, when I work with leaders, one of the first things I do is get people to answer the question. How do you want people to describe you non-physically? Oh, okay. And then the second question is, how do people describe you non-physically? So if I'm meeting with a dad or a mom, I do that same question as a parent. How do you want your kids to describe you non-physically? Wow, well, that's a deep question. <laughs> yes, it is. But it's, it's a, a values it, question. But it's designed right? but, to, to make you think. And, and it comes back to those values because if I wanted my kids to think I'm funny and a friend and all those other things, I might be that. But would they respect me? Would they trust me? Probably not. Probably not. Would they follow me? Probably not. On the other hand, I told my kids when we started out, I'm not your friend. I'm your father. <laughs> I told this, my kids the same thing. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. I will have your back even if you're in the wrong. However, don't you dare call me at, or don't you dare drive home impaired. You call me. And and some of those other factors. Now my kids are old enough that when I grew up, if somebody said sick, it meant like puke, vomit. With my kids, sick means awesome or yeah, cool. Yeah, it means cool. And That's so sick. now my kids are old enough that I'm now playing with their heads. It's a form of terrorism. But I will do the, oh, that is really sick, you guys. And they, they all pucker up and say, dad, that's just wrong. Yeah, don't, we've moved. We've moved on from that. Word, yes, Dad. Don't don't ever talk that way. And then I'll say, "Well, okay, I thought I crushed it." And Dad, this is not good. So in that culture, 
Number one, how does the leader want people to describe them? Number two, go back 20, 30 years and what I used to call or what I call today, front porch therapy. In the smaller communities, we used to have an aunt or an uncle, grandma or grandpa, no relation, but we called them that, who had a front porch that we could go up on their front porch and tell them how our parents sucked, how the teacher sucked, how life sucked. And when we were done ranting, we felt encouraged because they listened. Mm -hmm. When we stepped off the porch, they hit the delete button and we felt better. The first thing that cultures have to start doing is front porch therapy. Stop fixing, diagnosing, triaging, and being an expert. Let people rant and vent and then follow it up with, now, what can I help you do to grow forward? Yeah, I I love that. And because communication is never what is said, it's always what is heard. And too many people are using their mouths to communicate. And 80% of communication is not the mouth. It's the eyes and the ears. Yeah, it's non, yeah. and it's nonverbal. Yeah, non-verbal. it's eyes and ears. Yeah. And, and so therefore, stop with all the programs. Start, stop with all the experts and gurus and everything else and figure out, okay, what does a thriving workplace mean for us? Because nobody calls a cop when everybody's getting along. and and therefore part of that is what does it mean to be a person of authority in a society that does not respect authority yeah that means you're automatically wearing a bullseye exactly you got a target big time and so therefore start reframing the discussion to what does it mean for us a thriving culture what does it mean for us to listen what does it mean for me as the leader to be trustable followable respectable even if i'm not always likable and then build out those pieces to say so what did you do in the last 48 hours g-rated to charge your battery and if people are not charging their battery call it what it is officer safety because if i it's like a drunk at an mvc at a motor vehicle collision frequently the wrong person walks away and what happens is if i don't keep a charge in my battery and you and i go to a call i might walk away okay that's officer safety that's all that is why does john need to keep a charge in his battery because his peers need his head in the game when we are on a scene or on call yeah and, and, and stop making mental health, resilience, wellness, thriving through crisis and change, whatever. Stop making it clinical and let's make it practical. Well, and no. I love what you said because it it really forces the listener. I mean, I, I think we, a lot of times, we're looking for those knee-jerk quick fixes yep. externally when you pointed out very well that it really starts inside of ourselves, mm-hmm. digging deep, which I think a lot of people are fearful of doing and expressing their emotion and expressing their struggles and really doing, I call it an internal search warrant of themselves. And and really, you know, it's all, you know, it's, you have to dig within yourself and quit looking for those quick 
fixes or like you said all these gurus out there are falling from the trees you know just well, do and, this. i mean you know with ptsd coming on the horizon with first responders now it, it seems like everybody's got a dog and a horse does ptsd counseling yeah and it's okay let's uh, i don't i don't actually use that term i use ptsi yes so do I. injury the one who did the deed is the one with the disorder not the one who got the wallop absolutely I, I cannot stand that word and i know i oh. default to that sometimes but there's so much stigma behind the word disorder and so well, i'd and rather call it an illness or an injury because you can recover from those absolutely and 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 so therefore no names but do you have people in your life when you see their name and number on your phone screen you have that biological reflex that says oh, not them <clears throat> don't ever call them a dome light on the old car but that's all they are they trickle drain the battery <laughs> And, you know, for those of, for those of you younger listeners on the older cars, the I know, well, you young was, listeners are going, what the hell are they talking about? What's John talking exactly. About? <laughs> well, and the new vehicles have battery savers. So you don't experience the joy of the next morning. Exactly. Waking up, go out there and dead. Click, click, click. <laughs> and, and what happens is, so what am I doing to address the dome lights in my lives, my life? The second part of that is some dome lights trickle drain the battery, but I need to be charged to deal with them. That could be aging parents, that could be children, that could be spouse, that could be any number of things. But the, the other side of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum is what are you plugged into to charge? I love that. Because we all have dome lights in our lives. and. Okay. Part of the misnomer is we're looking for that, as you've said, we're looking for that quick fix. And we forget that quick fix, a quick fix is like putting our cell phone on airplane mode, thinking it's going to recharge while I'm off work. Okay, airplane mode. Well, I'm not a technical, technological genius, but I do know that putting your phone on airplane mode does not recharge I know that might be your shattering news to you and your listener, but, <laughs> but one of the things that we're plugged into to recharge. Yeah. And, and very, and, and if I could just add really quick, sir, is very, in my opinion, because I agree with you hundred percent, the things that I'm not plugged into are, are, I mean, I'm, I'm plugged into people, not right. things. Because yep. things don't hey, do it and, for me anymore. Okay, but I would challenge you on that if you reword the term things. Okay, so things. for example, detailing your car. It doesn't matter the vehicle you drive, but do you enjoy cleaning, polishing? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. <clears throat> so rather than what used to matter is what kind of car or vehicle I drive, now what matters is the condition of the vehicle I drive. So you know what? I like the paint to have a nice shine to it. I like to be able to um, sit on the seat in the vehicle and not have to worry about things sticking to me. <laughs> That'd be <And> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we just learned this. So we have a cottage camp 
it's an off the grid, it's re remote, it's a logging road to get into it. And I remember years and years ago, somebody teaching me that, don't forget, John, when you do mudding and so forth with vehicles, you need to get your bearings repacked consistently. In the last, I'm going to say 10 months, maybe 12 months, we have had to replace the four bearings in our vehicle. You know, the one thing I never did through the entire lifespan of the vehicle we used this Jeep on this muddy logging road, and I never once repacked the bearings. Huh. Guess what? <laughs> I now get to replace them. Well, I don't replace them. <laughs> I get to pay to have them replaced. <laughs> oh, yes. Where do I sign up for more expenses? <laughs> but it's the same principle in our lives, yeah. right? You know, it's... It's that little stone in the shoe. It's that little piece of sand in the bearing of our lives that starts to grind. That if we don't address it, will have significant impact in other areas. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's like that 800-pound gorilla in the room that everybody ignores. Yes, a lot right. of people ignore it. I mean, you can ignore it, but it's still there. Not Let's pretend away. it's not there, right? Let's just... Let's yeah, see let's, let's talk about like really quick. Let's talk about EAPs. Yes. And, and in a thriving workplace, you, you say that they don't work as well. Can you can you explain that, sir? Because organizations don't have a plan as to how they're going to leverage an EAP. Okay. So, for example, an EAP is paid to provide on-scene support. They're paid to provide a whole bunch of other support, follow-through supports. If a workplace is doing its work, then they can meet with the EAP to say, hey, we'd like to meet with some of the clinicians that you're going to use. Mm -hmm. So when I do some crisis intervention training for first responders, I will always ask them to invite mental health people in the mm -hmm. community and say, just because you're doing the training with us doesn't mean you're on the team, but we want you to understand what we do. Yeah. At the end of the three days, I go around and ask the the group to say so you met john if he was your mental health person would you talk to him and it's a nice safe environment to triage people added to that if i'm going through a merit marital issue if i haven't met who eap is going to send then i might end up talking with a 25 30 year old about my mom with dementia my dad just dying and there's just not enough life lesson there yeah. to really get what it is I'm describing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so it's not that EAPs don't work, but we're shifting without a clutch. So we're not using what one another can contribute. Absolutely. And that's why they don't work. Yeah, absolutely. Such a great point. Oh my God. Such a wealth of information, John. And I, I really quick, I want you to talk about your book and it's mm -hmm. going to be linked up in the show notes, Run Towards the Roar. Can you talk about that? What was the inspiration behind that? Actually, because first responders get this, your whole ethos of training is to override the fight, flight, freeze, appease button in normal humans. You run towards the things that normal people run away from. And it's called muscle memory. But in the in the African Sahara, whatever, the lion, the way he keeps his pride is as the muscle tone deteriorate and teeth and so forth, the lion will go to one side of a herd of antelope 
the pride will go to the other. And the way the lion keeps his pride is his roar. And when a lion roars, animal instinct is fight, fight, freeze, appease. Majority of those antelope will run away from the roar and run into the hunting party. Run into the pride. <laughs> and humans are the only ones, as first responders are well aware, are the only ones that we can train to run toward the roar, to override that natural amygdala hijack, it's called, but the fight, flight, freeze, appease button. And when we determine what our values are and what our passion is, then then I will find a way to get back in the game. And the term I coined out of the book is called passio fidelis. Passio is the root word of passion. Fidelis is the root word of fidelity, faithfulness, loyalty. U.S. Marines have semper fidelis. Exactly. Semper Always five. faithful. And so passio fidelis is passionate faithfulness. And therefore, if I want to thrive, I have to determine what I'm going to be passio fidelis, passionately faithful towards, and then build the attitudes, beliefs, and connections to define that refinable new norm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. You got to, for the listener out there, you got to pick up the book. John, where can they pick up the book? Where can they find you, sir? I could talk to you all day. Well, where, where do they... it goes both ways. I've been, been enjoying this. <laughs> where, 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 where do they, where do they find you? Where they, where can they pick up your book, sir? So a couple pieces to that. So they're going to have a landing page for this, and it's just going to be really simple. Fort Log is the domain. Yeah. Fort, safe place in the frontier. Log is a journal because there's no point going there alone. Dot co, because I work with people. I don't fix for them, and. It's come alongside coach colleague. So fortlog.co forward slash CJ evolution. It's fortlog.co. It's, and the book is through Amazon. It's run toward the roar and transform crisis, not uh, change into the opportunity to thrive. Oh, it's such and an honor. to be honest, Go the ahead. easiest way to connect is just John at fortlog.co. Shoot me an email. I'll follow you up and let's just have a conversation. John, it has been an absolute pleasure, uh, pleasure having you on the show. You're just a wealth of information. I want to get you back on. And everything we talked about as far as how to contact you and pick up your amazing book will be linked up in the show notes. Sir, Perfect. I hope you have a happy holiday, and I want to have you back on in the future. I would, I would love to be back on because I've actually enjoyed, and especially we live so often in a time where humor, good humor, is in short supply. I love good humor. <laughs> And well, and I get that. And, and because I'm not one of those people who crack a joke and laugh for hours at my own joke, it's yeah. been great to be able to laugh with you to share that kind of humor. And what an incredible blessing you are for your listeners just I, because of your presence. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. And the very same to you. Such a great show with John. If you love the audio version, head over to YouTube and check out the podcast YouTube channel. CJ Evolution. Until next time, folks, be safe.